What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. This is Tyler here alongside Greg and Ryan. We have, yes, we have changed our name from the Winged Octopus Podcast to the Grindline Podcast. Just a fresh look, fresh logo, and, uh, you know, just good things coming for a good, hopefully a good Red Wings season. We're a few days away from the uh, 2018 NHL draft where we know who is going to go number one overall in the Buffalo Sabres and their crazy ass fans that they have are gonna you know be extremely happy and you know rightfully so um so basically we're just gonna talk here about the draft here we're gonna go with a little bit of a mock draft and then if we got some time we're gonna talk about red wings uh development camp that is uh coming up i believe this weekend is that correct greg starting it's actually like five days starting on a tuesday and ending on Saturday the 30th. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's usually at the end of the month. That now I remember. And then yeah, we have, you know, a lot of nothing to talk about um, for a few months. And, you know, then hockey's over and everything. Congrats to the uh, Caps on winning the Cup. That was pretty great, honestly. Um, but, Greg, uh, I'll kick it off to you to start our discussion here tonight. Yeah, so we all know number one is going to be Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, generational defenseman, I've been yelled at on many a uh, uh, Facebook page to tell me he hasn't proven anything yet. He could be a total flop, blah, blah, blah. You're stupid. Don't say stuff like that. Literally, the dude has proved at every level he's played that he is an impact generational guy. He's better than Lidstrom and Carlson and and people in that namesake at that age. And they've said it themselves that he is better than that. So he's going to come in. He is. He might be one of the missing pieces. I mean, he definitely will be one of the missing pieces, but he might be the only missing piece to Buffalo actually coming back into contention. He's solid defensively. He's uh, a threat offensively and solid number one. There's no way anyone else in this draft could have touched that number one spot. I believe he was the number one pick even at the end of the draft last year. Uh, was slated to be number one this year. And that's, I don't think that's super consistent. But Dolan will be going to Buffalo. We all know who he is. Uh, you'll know, if you don't know who he is now, you will definitely know who he is by the beginning of the season. Ryan. It's the no brainer. I mean, you just go, you look at him. I know for the longest time building up to the draft and the draft lottery, we were 100% all in if Detroit got that pick and how much this team could be changed and what type of presence he could bring to it so that we haven't seen really since like you mentioned already Nick Lidstrom retiring back in 12 even at the end of his years he was providing some of the best offense the team had so it's for them they're they're fantastic I envy them I'll just say one thing if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan you're ecstatic right now because you are getting you know a generational talent the Connor McDavid of defense if you will and sure, you know, there's always a chance that he could be a flop and, you know, he could get injured and, you know, his career might not be the same. But as of right now, what we know of Rasmus Dahlin, the videos we've all seen and, uh, you know, the, the world juniors and everything, the guy is unbelievable. He's got the best hands that I've ever seen as a defenseman. Yes, that is including some of the greatest defensemen of all time, the greatest hands I've ever seen. Now, if he does that at the NHL level, we're going to have a highlight reel every single night. Pete Blackburn is going to be tweeting gifts of Rasmus Dahlin dangling the shit out of people every single night. Now, I don't know if he's going to try things like that in the National Hockey League, 
I don't know if he's just going to try to fit in like every other defenseman does. Um, but if he does try things like that, well, the Sabres are, um, you know, they're going to have a good season next year. And, you know, obviously one player doesn't change everything. But in this case, one player could be the difference between being one of the worst teams in the league and, you know, possibly being in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Absolutely. It's he's can make or break a team. I believe no brainer really. I mean, he probably would have been first overall last year and maybe even the year before. Yep. Absolutely. I think for how Buffalo finished out that they're going to give him that opportunity to test his offensive prowess against the NHL level talent yeah, and see I how it goes. And then just kind of maybe rein him in from there if it doesn't go too well, or that's how they're going to be able to gauge what he can and can't do just trial by fire pretty much from the get go. I was talking to a friend of mine that's kind of a Sabres blogger and he, you know, he does a lot of work with the Sabres. He's a big Sabres fan. And he thinks that Darlene will start the season on the second, um, pe- um, second D pairing. And then he'll probably be on the first power play unit. So, I mean, that's, if that's an indication, then, you know, you're, you're going to have a generational player and they're going to give him every chance to be that. Yeah. So we've all got the number one out of the way. We know what it's going to be. This is where it's going to get a little bit messy. The, if you've been paying any attention on Twitter or, or really anywhere to the mock drafts that have been happening in the talk, uh, after number one and most likely number two, who I'm going to talk about in a second, it's wide open. Literally anyone could go three uh, through ten, and it's it's a crapshoot. The The top ten are, are the same names, but in a, a different order for mostly everyone so number two and this is a lock and i think they that the team even said it's a lock to the carolina hurricanes is going to go right wing andre shvechnikov uh he is six foot three 187 pounds left shot crazy accurate shot the kid he himself is is a highlight reel he's you know brother to uh red wings evgeny shvechnikov and he's a solid number two in this draft it, but past him it, it gets a little crazy Tyler yeah Svechnikov is another guy I mean highlight reels all over the place the, the he has one of the best releases I've ever seen other than Oliver Wallstrom you know in this draft anyways and uh you know he he's big he's good he kind of reminds me just watching him he kind of reminds me of Malkin even though he's a winger um is there any chance he can end up as a center question mark um, I mean, yeah. I mean, people go from wing to center. I mean, center, you just need to be a little bit better defensively. Has he ever played it, though? That's my question. I don't uh, think so. I don't think so. So it's going to be very tough for him to go from winger to center. But, I mean, he's everything I've seen of him. Now, there is one thing that kind of scares me about him a little bit. He's the type of player that if he's not engaged – you're not going to see a lot of them, kind of like a Rick Nash, kind of, um, you know, I, like watching him in the World Juniors kind of worried me a little bit. He didn't do a whole lot in the World Juniors. Now, that Russia team wasn't that good, but it did worry me a little bit because there was games where he was kind of invisible, in my opinion, anyways. Ryan? Yeah, I think that along with uh, Dolan, Smechnikov is a lock here, number two. Uh, there's – no reason why you don't make a guy like him. I mean, watching his highlight tape recently that's been posted out there, the dude can just flat out play. And when he's got the puck, everyone's on their heels because of the quickness he can provide. And then his shot and playmaking is just – it's what you'd want from a number two pick. So I think that's an no-brainer. And if it was Detroit again, 
it'd be who I'd want on their team because they need that type of player that can make an impact. And with how Carolina's roster is, I think he'll come in right away and be the guy that hopefully, hopefully be that guy for them, I should say, that can really do bring them an offensive spark, which is what the team like them need. Yeah, I think he'll he'll come in, he'll slot in. Man, Carolina. Mm-hmm. He'll slot into Carolina's top line. I don't see why not. Um, for the life of me, I can't even tell you right now who's on Carolina's top line. Uh, from what I can see, got Jordan Stahl, DiGiuseppe, and Justin Williams is what their most recent depth chart was. Yeah. yeah Justin Williams, I believe, is an unrestricted free agent. Is he? Okay. Yeah so, yeah, so so I think you put you put Svechnikov right on their top line. They're going to have some question marks, though, this year in Carolina. I heard they are completely open for trade. Uh, no one is off limits, including yeah. including Noah Hannafin, uh, who I would love to – if you check out my Twitter, I have uh, dream scenarios of trading. <laughs> if When they pick Svechnikov to trade Evgeny Svechnikov to them, uh, along with some picks for Noah Hannafin – just to get the brothers together to see if they have a Sedin uh, kind of thing going on, but we won't get into that today. And we'll move on to the number three pick. Now this is where it gets a little dicey. The Montreal Canadiens have the number three pick in this year's draft and they need a center and they've said they'd need a center and they love this guy. And that is one Jesperi Kakaniemi. Uh, he is playing in Finland he is six foot two, 190 pounds, shoots left, but he is a center. He has an amazing shot and a high hockey IQ. But I mean, some drafts have him going as low as 12, 13. I mean, I mean he's, he's good, but I feel like there are better players at other positions that should be drafted ahead of him. But Montreal, you know, just traded, uh, was it Galchenyuk for, mm-hmm. for Domi? Yeah. So, you know, they're not really good at making important decisions. Ryan, what do you think? No, that's, uh, that's what I was just thinking about in Bergevin getting drunk and just in suit and text out for other GMs right now. They're talking about how they want a center. They tried making Gauchinyuk that center. That didn't work. Apparently, Ty Domi is listed as a center on the webpage right now. So, who knows what they really want? <laughs> um, I could I could see them going Max, with the defense, yeah. uh, defenseman at this point. Dude, if Ty yeah. Domi's playing on their team, there's a lot of trouble. Oh, did I say Ty? Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but no, it's just, it's to me, it's a complete toss-up. They've had so many different guys listed there. Zadina was the number three for the longest time, and now he's talked about. There's talk about him falling even further. Going with the center like this, I mean, some people have said that he should have been there this entire time. Others have said he's barely a top fifteen pick. Um, that what they do here will likely be a ripple effect uh, up through pick number 10 or at least pick seven, because there's so much that could happen if they take cut, 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 yeah. We'll just call him Niemi too. Yeah. You practice. I didn't, um, <laughs> but if they, if they don't pick him, the no brainer to me, I think would be Zadina, but I definitely agree. I think that's where they go this time. And uh, that's where things things start to truly get interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think Kotkaniemi, I mean, he's a good player. Every video I've seen, he looks like he's a beast. But, I mean, he's playing over in the Finnish Elite League, so I guess that's really good. 
he did have 29 points in 57 elite league games last year, which I mean is pretty good for a guy his age. Well, he's but 17. I, it, well, that's that's what I'm saying for a guy his age. But the other thing is, if he was so good, why is he shooting up now, and why wasn't he shooting up the boards? You know, in January or February or March or even April when people were doing mock drafts. Why all of a sudden now, after the season has been over for months and months, you know, I'm talking about the Finnish league, not the National Hockey League, but why why now is he shooting up the boards? Like any, I, for some people, he projects as a second-line center. And, you know, that's fine. That's That's okay. And for other people, he projects as, you know, maybe a third or fourth-line center. So, I mean, is it really worth the risk of taking – a guy that could be a first or a second line center, uh, or he could also be a fourth line center. So, I, I mean, I guess you don't know. And I mean, the videos I've seen are great, but I mean, is that going to translate into the NHL in a few years when he plays on the bigger ice and or the smaller ice? And I mean, uh, remind yourself of who's taking him, though. The Montreal Canadiens are taking him, and that that makes another point. Why wouldn't you take Philip Sedina? You need scoring. Philip Zadina could be a 30 to 40 goal scorer in the NHL. Yeah. Well, first off, you're asking why Montreal would do anything. So that's your first problem. <laughs> yeah, they've not Brady been known Kachuk, to make the. Uh, sorry, I think Brady Kachuk's even a better option than Kotkaniemi. And not yeah. that I don't like the kid, I'm just saying I don't. We, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah, but Montreal uh, in the past has not been known for very good decisions. So. Well, that's that's definitely true. So we'll move to uh, we'll move to pick number four. Uh, pick number four would be by the Ottawa Senators, and they'll take who Montreal passed up on, who is Philip Zadina. Uh, Philip Zadina right now is playing in the ha- uh, for the Halifax Mooseheads in the QM. Uh, he is six foot one, 192 pounds, dynamic offensively, dynamic defensively, huge two way player, amazingly accurate shot. Like like uh, like Tyler said, he should easily put up 30 to 40 goals maybe down his first year um but i mean he he's eventually a 30 to 40 goal scorer easily um again left hand shot a lot of left hand shots but i think that will be ottawa's pick if ottawa is you know still a team by uh friday uh tyler what do you think about philip zadina yeah a lot of crazy stuff going on with ottawa with the hoffman deal and the hoffman thing going on with carlson and all that stuff but yeah, I mean, Philip Zadina, if Montreal passes on him, which I think they'd be stupid to do, Ottawa takes him right away. You know, he slots probably into their that Mike Hoffman slot, and, uh, you know, he could probably put up tw- anywhere from 25 to 30 goals this year, maybe 20, depending on, you know, what kind of situation he's in. Although Ottawa could be in, in a bit of a rebuild here, it's, you know, the uncertainty uh, with Carlson uh, and all that stuff. So, a bit. Yeah, Zadina, yeah, a bit of a rebuild. <laughs> they well, just got Mikel Bodker. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's the other thing. I don't understand what they're doing there. You know, you trade Hoffman away, and instead of getting, you know, picks from the Sharks, you get uh, you know, a pick and you get, um, like you a said, depth forward. Bodker. Yeah, yeah the, the problem is, is is that Hoffman wanted out, and they were going to do anything they could to get rid of him because it was either get rid of him for something or he wasn't going to play. So... Hoffman has a lot of off-ice issues. Ottawa has a lot of off-ice issues. So, I mean, they'll they'll take Zadina. Like I said, if they're still a team by Friday, they'll take Zadina and they'll 
they'll be happy. Ryan, what do you think about Philip Zadina? I think if they don't take Zadina, that the stadium is probably getting burnt to the ground by their fans. Yeah, um, that's how I thought about Montreal. What fans? Well, yeah, the, the <laughs> fans, whatever fans are remaining after this whole debacle again today. With them coming out saying he wanted to trade him out of the division, he doesn't want to trade in division, then he ends up in the division because he wouldn't take the best <laughs> deal. Which, because of the oh, ultimate troll job by San Jose. Oh my God. Doug Wilson is everyone's hero right now, I think. But oh. it's to me, it's there's a lot of speculation that they won't take him. Um, I'm on the bandwagon that they don't, so he keeps falling. But for the sh- he's got one of the best shots in the draft, and it's stupid to not pick up a guy like this. So if they get him, he can definitely come in and make an impact. I don't know if he does maybe hit that 20-goal mark this year for how much uncertainty they have, especially on their back end. If they lose Carlson, there goes their offense. Ryan, and they've there, got some- Ryan, there's also the chance, too, that they take a defenseman. There's also the chance That's yep. in, in, in the uh, Matt Duchesne deal that they have to give up either this year's pick or next year's pick. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they have a fourth overall pick this year, but there's a chance they could even be worse and end up missing out on Jack Hughes. Yes. That? So, that if, if they take – if that's the case going into it, and they've got the, obviously that option there for this year or next year, if they don't give that pick up to Colorado for this year and see what happens, I think it's stupid. Granted, there's a lot of top talent in the top 10 this year, even past that. But for what they've got in the situation the team is in, where they're at, with the even at the management level, I think they saw they just have to lick their wounds and pray at this point because, and, and that's where it really changes. If they take that scenario, for instance, and Colorado comes in, then it's a f- complete friggin' toss up on who's going to go where. I think they would take Zadina. I mean, imagine for the next 10, 15 years, Nathan McKinnon feeding Philip Zadina and vice versa. I mean. Cool. Yeah. It, it, it's a win win either way. I think they take Zadina. Um, and and he's solid at four. If he's not, if he's not gone at four, and he slips further, um, that's insanity. I don't understand. I mean, he should go at three, but yes. you know, stranger stranger things have happened. But we'll move on to the Arizona pick. And assuming our draft goes the way we've stated so far, the Arizona Coyotes will pick Brady Kachuk. You know, brother of Matthew Kachuk. Uh, he is a center, but he's also listed as a left wing. He is six foot three, hundred ninety six pounds. I mean, he's huge. He is aggressive. He is a two. I don't want to call him really a two way player because he's not super offensive. Um, but he has good defense to him. He's not afraid to go in the corner and fight for a puck. Uh, he he does score. He's a he's a flashy scorer, like but right in front of the net. He's not scoring from all over the place. Tyler, you probably have the most experience with uh, Brady Kachuk. Yeah, I mean, Kachuk's a great player. I think he's got a lot of intangibles. I think he's going to piss a lot of people off, you know, in front of the net and going in the corners and, you know, not licking people like Marshan, but, you know, putting his glove in people's face and, you know, just really agitating people. A bigger version of Brendan Gallagher, probably even worse. Um, But he's a good player. He can put the puck in the net. Uh, he's a good facilitator. I know they don't really use that word in hockey, but uh, he, he's really good at p- passing the puck. He's a good playmaker. He's got tremendous vision. 
I think the player the, where he lacks the most, though, is I don't think he's the greatest skater in the world. I do think that he can work on that, you know, because of the roots that he has. Like, you know, his dad obviously being a former NHLer and his brother in the NHL as well. I do think that that's a good pick for Arizona. You know, they they did a really good job with with the defense that they have right now, and taking uh, Brady Kachuk just puts uh, BU um, West going on there with uh, with Clayton Keller out there, and you also would have uh, Kachuk out there as well. So, I mean, I think that's a good pick for them. I think that's a no-brainer, really, if he's still there. Ryan? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, uh, this is where it really starts getting interesting, uh, depending on who goes at four, uh, seeing what um, Arizona does here at five. I mean, there's multiple different ways it could go. There's been talk about D. That was the main focus for a while, especially before this Oliver Lickman Larson thing came about where it's likely he's signing that that long-term deal with them. Yeah, monster deal. Yeah. Was it eight by eight? Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, there's still a possibility I could see them getting another puck-moving type defenseman. But to pass up on a Kachuk, especially when he's likely going to be available right there, or even Wallstrom, as Tyler mentioned, it, it, you have to. It's the, the, These guys, can they've got the build, body build already to come in and make an impact, and it's just, yeah, it's you do it. There is the thing with Kachuk, though. He said he's going back to BU for for his uh, sophomore year of college. So yeah, he says that gonna... now, but he's still got a full season, and then can't yeah camp coming up. The likelihood and Arizona's roster is not that pretty. No, so he can come in there, and if he's making an impact coming out of the training camp and everything else, I I don't. College is great, going to a great university, but uh, that put that on level, hold. And that entry level contract will be pretty nice too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of them say they're going to go back to college, and then when they see the money on paper, uh, it, their their mind changes pretty quickly, uh, especially when they have the hurting for money. Though I will say that <laughs> no, but I mean, you see that professional training center. You see that you get to go with develop with your actual teammates that you're going to be playing with for a long time. You be playing professional hockey. I mean, it's if they give him the opportunity, I, I don't think he would, he'd pass it up. There's no reason to, I can see education, but you can always go back to school the after other, you're done. The other thing too, and a lot of people don't realize this is uh, the coach that was a coach at BU last year, David Quinn left and he's now coaching the New York Rangers. So that could have swayed, uh, you know, his decision. Maybe he won't go back. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. And uh, in fact that I didn't know while looking at elite prospects, he is cousins with Jimmy and Kevin Hayes. I did not know that. Oh, it all makes way too much sense now. <laughs> so now we all move on. To... guys are related. Come on. <laughs> what are you trying to say here, man? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move on to the Detroit Red Wings pick at number six. And again, if you've paid attention to any social media, uh, this pick's been blown up your ass for quite a while. Uh, picking number six, uh, the Detroit Red Wings will choose Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan, five foot ten, hundred and seventy-four pound left shot defenseman. Uh, he is ranked as high as six and as low as nine on a lot of rankings. I mean, elite, elite defensive talent. Uh, he is. People say he's undersized. Shut up. Uh, but he has a shot. He is accurate. He scores goals. He could work a little bit defensively, but he'll go to boards and and he'll win battles. We saw him win battles in the World Juniors. He'll play on a top line. You give him space, he's he's deadly. 
and he can move. He can move the puck. He can distribute it. And when he's given it, he can score. Um, Michigan product doesn't have to move very far. He was buddy, buddy with Dylan Larkin, the whole tournament. And I think he can be a top pair defenseman. You put him with, um, put him on a top line with Hronik or put him on a top line, put Daly on the top line with him. I think he, if you put someone bigger with him that can knock people off pucks, I mean, Hughes is, Hughes is your guy. What do you think, Ryan? I mean, hell, you could even put him with DeKaiser. I don't think I'd actually be upset about it. When DeKaiser's with somebody with some more skill, it opens him up a little bit because it takes pressure off of him to actually have to move the puck. Yep. Um, I would like, after seeing the World Championships, uh, Quinn Hughes in Detroit, I wouldn't be upset about it at all. The way he handled himself against NHL-level talent o- over there in Denmark was impressive. And I think that was a big thing for Blashill to see with him behind the bench and future Red Wings assistant coach, Dan Bausma. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that if we have time. But, just... but but no, I mean, the way he moved the puck, I mean, I remember seeing at one point uh, there's a puck going into their own end and he was in a foot race with somebody else and he was able to get in front of them, cut them off, take the puck and throw it back up the boards and out of, out of harm's way. And he made it look easy. He controlled the power play for them while they were over there. So I think he could be a guy that, might be the Larkin route a little bit where he yep. may have to get some seasoning in Grand Rapids to get used to this, the size and speed. But I think he would tease everybody at the start of the season and would have a real, I mean, for Detroit's decor, he has a very good possible possibility of cracking that lineup out the gate. So um, it's going to be, it, it'll make Ken Holland's statement of two to four young guys come to fruition here very quickly. If he's the type of guy they bring on the, on the team. Yeah, I mean, what Larkin played, what, six six playoff games for Grand Rapids in 2014-15? Mm-hmm. Give, Hughes, give Hughes six regular season games. But I, I think if you put him, imagine Quinn Hughes, feed, Quinn Hughes on the ice at the same time as Dylan Larkin with Mantha out there and Rasmussen at net front. I like it. Oof. And I just, like the sound of it. just Tyler, uh, give Quinn Hughes some love. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll try to make it as short as possible. Like I said, I mean, I've seen him play in person, and, you know, it's a good thing. He's extremely fast, but he doesn't have to be going a million miles an hour all the time. And, you know, you've heard that saying that great players are able to play to their speed. They're able to slow it down and speed it back up. There's perfect videos of Quinn Hughes. I don't know if you like watching long videos of, you know, breakdowns but there are some videos of him breakdowns of him um you know being able to get the puck out run a power play uh you know catch somebody even though he was deep down in the offensive zone come all the way back and break up the play break up a three-on-one by himself like this guy doesn't get enough credit for being good defensively i'm not saying he's great defensively but I think that he can be even a little bit better than Tory Krug defensively. And if he does that, he does slot into your first or second pair on the Red Wings. Not this year. I think he's going back to the University of Michigan. I think he'll be the captain there. And, you know, they'll they'll obviously tell him to get a little bit bigger, a little bit bulkier, and still stay fast. And I think that's that's probably the best-case scenario if you're the Red Wings. And, you know, like I said, you know, he could run your power play. He's fast. 
He doesn't have the hardest shot I've ever seen, but it does find the back of the net. It's a seeing eye shot. Mm-hmm. If the Red Wings can get somebody that has a blast of a shot, uh, you know, to, to be on the other side of the umbrella, Quinn Hughes will find the guys. And, uh, you know, like he did uh, with Cooper Marodi this year and, you know, Dexter Danks and those guys. So I think that's a no-brainer for the Red Wings. You know, Evan Bouchard is another guy, but I think Quinn Hughes is the guy that Detroit has uh, identified. Yeah. So uh, next is the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, The Canucks, I believe, at number seven are going to take Noah Dobson. Uh, He plays right now for the Titans in the QMJ. He is a six foot three hundred and seventy nine pound right shot defenseman. So he would be the first right shot defenseman to go. Uh, two ways uh, plays in all situations. Super productive. He plays an up tempo style, so he's fast. Uh, he will hit. Um, he is super. I mean, high hockey IQ. He knows what's going on, when it's going on, and where to put the puck. He has a very accurate uh, shot. Super soft hands. Uh, he is, he's started the year out of the top 10. I think, I don't think he was in the top 10 to start the year, but he's gone. I've seen on some lists as high as four. So, uh, I think Noah Dobson goes to Vancouver, uh, who needs some defensive help. No, I definitely agree. Um, I know I've seen, that's pretty much like we've been talking about where everything kind of gets in a, a bit of a nut roll with who could go where, Everything I've seen, with the exception of one mock draft, has been a defender of some sort, and it's likely Dobson going here to Vancouver because of what they've got going on. They're one of those that are kind of right on the cusp. If everyone's healthy, they can maybe make something happen. They've got a lot of cap space going into the year with uh, the Sedins both falling off. So they're they're an intriguing team to watch coming up this weekend and then up through July 1st of what type of movement they can do to try to make this team better. But it's going to start in the back end, much like Detroit. Tyler? Yeah, Noah Dobson is another guy that I didn't know a whole lot about, and then I, I took to YouTube and I watched a lot of video on him. Uh, I think what strikes me the most, yeah, he does score goals, uh, but he's a really good um, playmaker. He's, he's really good at um, making stretch passes. He's not afraid to do that. Um, you know, he can run a power play, although he doesn't have the strongest shot in the world. It is pretty accurate. Um, I did see he's a little he's pretty physical but he's not over the top physical like you would think for a guy uh, his size at what is he 6'3 190 or something like that so I mean the the other thing that people have to be very curious uh, you know very um, cautious about with these Q players is that league I'm not saying it's easy I'm just it's soft it's it's softer to put up points I mean, look, Anthony Manta put up a hundred and something points one year. Perfect. Yeah, 139 what's points. What's the most he's put up in the NHL? We have, uh, he had, what, 40, 40-something last season? He had 40-plus so this year. Sort of, so that's sort of my point. You know, he hasn't eclipsed 50 yet. And, you know, he's, what, into his third or fourth year in the NHL. So, I mean, you have to be really careful about the Q. I'm not saying it's not a good league. I'm just saying it's a little soft. And the Canadian Hockey League in general is uh, a lot easier to score goals than you're going to see in the NCAA, you know, with a guy like Matthew Kachuk only having 31 points in, what was it, 30 games or 20-something, 23 games or something like that. So just got to be careful with those guys. Yep, so we'll move right along. We're running out of time, but 
We'll go through the last ones real quick. So to Chicago, we'll go with uh, Evan Bouchard, who has slipped quite a bit. Uh, most people, I would say, as long as are as short as two weeks ago, had Bouchard going uh, in the top four or five. Uh, but Bouchard plays for the London Knights in the OHL. He is six foot two, one hundred and ninety two pound right shot defenseman, probably the highest hockey IQ. Uh, out of all the defensemen in the draft, he is big. He uses his size. He was the captain for that team, so he has the leadership skill also. Uh, he is, he cuts off lanes, uh, has excellent positioning. He knows where to be and when to be there. He's probably the most complete defenseman uh, in the draft. So I think that Evan Bouchard will go to the Chicago Blackhawks, who hopefully are out of the playoffs again next year, Tyler. Yeah, I agree with that with uh, the Hawks. Hopefully they do suck again next year, but, um, you know, that's not here nor there. So, yeah, I mean, Evan Bouchard was, like you said, he was high up on a lot of people's list. A lot of people said he, they thought he would be in Detroit, uh, which is still a possibility. He had 87 points last year uh, in, what, 67 games, including 25 goals. So this is another thing you got to be careful with. Yes, he was the captain. He was also the captain of a very young London Knights team, uh, you know, with them losing Oliu Levy and those guys. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- this is another guy. He's not overly physical. He's really good at passing. Like you said, he's good at cutting down lanes. But, I mean, I think that's a no-brainer for Chicago, especially, you know, since – Keith and Seabrook and those guys are getting up there in age and they can't skate as well as they once did. Ryan? No, I totally agree. I mean, it's with the struggles that Chicago had, taking a guy like Bouchard here is another no-brainer. If he can come in, he's already got the size. He's got the shot that they have that they would like on a team like Chicago because of the guys they can get to the net. Um, it's if he's still there, I think it's actually it's a no, it's a slam dunk for them. I guess you could say. If that's where again another toss up pick because I've seen more of them focusing towards a forward here as well to try to spark that offense a little bit. But the biggest thing is is will he fall that far? I, I'm still not officially convinced that he makes it past five, but if he does, I think that'd be a good spot for him to land because of what he can provide from the back end that Chicago likes to work with. Yeah, Chicago is going to need some help here pretty soon, too. So, I mean, you you got Patrick Sharp uh, left. He quit. And and Chicago, I think if you if Bouchard goes that low, you're right. It's it's a it's a pick you have to make. So next to the New York Rangers at number nine, the Rangers will get what I consider possibly one of the best. uh, The top maybe pure goal scorer in the draft. And that's Oliver Wallstrom. He is playing at Boston College right now, six foot one. The dude's 207 pounds uh, center, shoots right. Uh, he is, like I said, I think he's probably the best pure goal scorer in the entire draft. He's a little off on defense, but he is, he'll go right up to the net and score. And in almost any situation, he's tough to move off the puck because of how big and how heavy he is. Uh, and and he himself can create opportunities to score. He doesn't necessarily have to be set up. Ryan, what do you think, Oliver Wallstrom? If he falls this far, I'd be amazed because you mentioned the whole little keyword there of being a center. If with what Montreal's got going on, I could for some reason, other than Niemi Part Two, 
I think he'd be a fantastic choice for them. Uh, I just saw somebody put out an article today saying they think he's got the best shot hands down in this draft class, and that's a hell of a comparison to for what's in the top five. Um, he's I've seen him play on the national development team here in Plymouth a few games, and that dude is impressive to watch. He makes everyone around him better when he's got the puck in the offensive zone and he doesn't have to have the puck and he's making something happen with it. He's got good hands on deflections. He can put the puck where he wants to. And the biggest thing I noticed about him is he always is skating hard to the puck, the, the defensive side. Yeah. That's always going to be a question on a guy like this, but uh, falling to nine and the Rangers picking him up. It's definitely what a team like them would need in their rebuild as they called out last year. So that'd be a fantastic spot for him to fall to. Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. So I think Oliver Wallstrom is a good player. I think that he could probably be ready for the NHL, but with the Rangers being in the middle of what they would call a rebuild or reboot or whatever the hell you want to call it, I think he will play, you know, at least his freshman season at Boston College and, you know, hopefully not propel them to a national championship. Um, but you know, he's he's good. He's got a really good release. Probably one of the best shooting while you can go watch videos of him absolutely sniping goalies. And, uh, you know, he's big. He's rangy. He's He's got some good hockey IQ. He's going to be a threat on the power play, uh, especially with that shot that he has. So, I mean, that's, that's a really good pick for a team like the New York Rangers in the middle of a rebuild. And, you know, they got guys like Leah Anderson and Philip Sheedle and, you know, those guys. So I think the Rangers reboot is going to be a lot quicker than a lot of people think. He could slot into the NHL lineup this coming year, but I doubt it with the Rangers being in uh, the rebuild that they're in. Yeah, I think, though, at, at number nine, if he slips that far, that's an absolute steal. Yep, uh, Oliver Wallstrom moving down that far. Like I said, it, Montreal would be dumb not to take him, but Montreal seems to have their eyes set on Kotkaniemi, so... And rounding out at number 10 to the Edmonton Oilers, and I think it's also what they might need, is Adam Boquist. Uh, Edmonton needs help on defense. Adam Boquist right now is playing in the SHL. He is 5'11", 165-pound right shot defenseman who literally has the skills of a forward. Uh, the kid can score. Uh, he outscores some of the forwards on his teams. Um, in the 2017-18 season alone, in 40 games, he had 14 goals and 26 or 14 goals and 13 assists, which is it's a forward scoring pace for a defenseman. He he needs to work a little bit on defense. He's good at uh, neutral zone defense, um, but once he gets back to his own end, he needs a little bit of work. But if he can work on that, he can gain a little bit of weight. And you put him with McDavid. I mean, that's that's going to be an interesting combination. <sighs> Tyler? Yeah, I mean, Adam Bachvist is definitely, they say, you know, the second best uh, offensive player in the draft. I would argue Quinn Hughes is up there, too. Bachvist is only 17 right now, is he not? Yeah, his birthday is in August. Okay, so sorry. he would be 18 by the time the season starts. So he'd, he'd be eligible to play. I think he's one of those guys that if the Oilers were to take uh, were to take him, they could probably send him up to Canada and play in the CHL, or they could even put him, uh, you know, down in the AHL. Because he's not a guy that I look at and, you know, watching the video and stuff like that. It doesn't look like he's quite ready defensively for the NHL. 
And the last thing the Oilers need to do is rush another player to the NHL and ruin him kind of like they did with Darnell Nurse. So I think at 10, that's a complete steal for the Oilers. But I do think you have to be patient with him. Ryan? No, I think he would definitely be at least a year because was AHL's 19, though, right? You have to be. Uh, yeah, uh, AHL doesn't really have an age limit. You you can be 18 and play, but if you're playing in the CHL, you have to be 20. That's okay. That's it's it's weird. Uh, as long as he's not on a deal with any of the Canadian clubs, junior as, clubs, he should be okay. Yeah, as long as he's not on a CHL team, it would be why Michael Rasmussen next year could not play for the Griffins. Right, because he'd have to go back to juniors if he doesn't make the roster. Okay. Yep. But, but anyways, I mean, I, I think – a year of development for him. I mean, granted, we talk about the current size of a lot of these guys, especially like Hughes and a few of them being a little bit on the smaller side weight-wise. There's a very good chance some of these boys have already put on quite a bit of weight and could be very much ready come training camp or preseason to possibly be fighting for a roster spot. So uh, for the offensive upside, I think he'd be fantastic. For the dumpster fire that somehow continues to be Edmonton, I think that's horrible (laughs) for him. But – yeah, Not even was. McJesus could save Edmonton. <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately not. So it, it'll be interesting, but I think he'd be a, a great offensive spark. Like you said, Tyler, putting him out there with Connor McDavid, it'd be fun to watch, but it's just how quickly would he be out there? I don't think this year would necessarily be the greatest thing, especially when they're still trying to figure out certain contracts to try to maneuver themselves to be in a better position long-term. Um, but with, Torelli back there who knows what the hell could happen so but I, I I would like him here if he if he goes that far as well so it really comes down to for me um you know if if the Oilers want to get him to the smaller ice and start to get him used to you know the the level of the NHL and you know like the the smaller ice over here in North America or if they're going to send him back to Sweden for Sweden what is it Sweden Finland Sweden right Sweden, Sweden yeah yeah Sweden for one more year and, and, you know, let him play with men over there and, uh, you know, see how it goes. Because, I mean, he's probably not ready for the NHL just yet, although the Oilers do have a need. But I think it's more on the wing than it is, uh, you know, on the back end. Yeah, I agree. I think he, on a desperate, I mean, Edmonton's desperate, but they're not Arizona desperate. I think on a desperate team like Arizona, they'd slot him in, but I think Edmonton could stand to get another good draft pick next year, bring up Boquist uh, next year, and just maybe move into a top five pick and, and have a really solid draft showing to put with McDavid to actually have an impact and win. Because you don't want to rush him in and then still finish shitty and waste a year of his development. So. Right. That's where I stand on it. But, Tyler, I think we're out of time. I'm going to let you take us out for this uh, pre-draft edition. Yeah, so uh, I guess the last thing I have to say is you can find the draft on Friday night. Is it at 7 or is it 8? Oh, God. I don't... Okay, good. I'm glad you know. Okay, 7.30 NBC I, <laughs> I believe it's rounds 1 and 2, and then the rest is on Saturday. I believe that's also on NBCSN. Um, that's all we have tonight. Um, we do appreciate you guys joining us in our inaugural show here of the Grindline podcast. Greg, I'll let you uh, shout out your Twitter handle and Ryan, you as well. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bringing the Wing. You can also follow the Grindline podcast at Grindline Pod. 
And my Twitter handle is at RDRyan33. So I'll see you out there. So, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. You can follow the Grindline podcast at GrindlinePod. Uh, we are still on Spotify. We are still on iTunes. Uh, if you cannot find it under Grindline Podcast is because their servers are insanely slow, you can still find us under Winged Octopus Podcast. Uh, but that should all be switching over pretty soon. But you can also find us on Podbean and Stitcher. All right, that wraps it up, guys. Uh, Thanks uh, for a good night, and stay classy, hockey fans.